his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. And there were a lot of uh, distinguished guests with him, including the Republican candidate for governor in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Scott Wagner. I am not surprised that he walked in to visit the Frank Andrews show because every time he has been in our area, he called. And any time we had a controversy and I called his campaign, he called within like 24 hours. <laughs> Senator Wagner, thanks for being here. Happy to be here, Frank. <laughs> now, um, tell me a little bit about the vice president's rally. You know, one of the things I said is I can't find a soundbite anywhere because everybody's talking about these bombs. The only time they're quoting him is about this. And I'll ask you about those threats in a minute. But first, the vice president's rally. Uh, vice president came to um, this area to uh, work with uh, John Schrin's uh, congressional campaign. It was a lot of energy. I think probably about 800 people up at the, um, I think it was uh, the airport there, the airport yeah. up in Wyoming County in the hangar. And, um, you know, a lot of energy and uh, you know, I had an opportunity to speak and uh, Dan Muser, uh, Val DiGiorgio, our Republican state chairman spoke. And, uh, and then uh, John spoke, and uh, then the vice president came on. Just lots and lots of energy. It was a good rally. You know, I, I was on your website um, yesterday. you you got to be tired. You have been everywhere. You have talked to every group. You have just, I mean, how does it feel to get two hours of sleep a night? <laughs> um, it's a little tiring. Um, what's happening, I think, uh, I think maybe this might be event 706 so far this year. I have another event this evening. But it's, uh, you know, I've just been all over Pennsylvania. Uh, really, since I announced my candidacy last year, I had about 380 event meetings. And this year, I've broken 700. We broke 700 yesterday. But it's what you have to do. Yeah. Um, you know, get out and talk to the people. The governor's not doing that. I mean, if he would, if he'd be willing to do town hall meetings and, um, you know, maybe a some more debates or something, you know, he'd learn, he'd learn more about what's going on in Pennsylvania. But listen, I've met some just unbelievable people, you know, around Pennsylvania. Now, you know, I, I got to ask you, you know, this stuff that's dominating the news, you know, these explosive devices sent to the Clintons, sent to the Obamas, sent to uh, Maxine Waters, sent all over the place. And, you know, none of them detonated, but it's just a scary situation. Listen, we live in a time right now that I think is just, it's not a good time. Uh, you know, there's a lot of danger out there. And who Whoever did that needs to be caught, prosecuted, um, and it could happen to anybody. And thank goodness nobody was hurt. Um, but it's we're, we're just in a we're in a bad time right now that, that this kind of stuff goes on and people think it's acceptable. So you know, again, it's it's so fortunate that no one no one was hurt. Now you know I mentioned that you're here. We got people who are calling and people who are texting. The first text that came in said this: "Please tell Mr. Wagner he has our support. We're praying for him. We thank him for fighting for the unborn. And as a union sheet metal worker, I look forward to him being my next governor." Now what you got there is you got people that are. Praying for you, people that are talking about, uh, you know, uh, pro-life and you got union people there. I mean, that you got everything covered there, don't you? Well, I do. And, and you know, at the end of the day, I think when I spend, listen, 90, 99.99% of the people out there are just great people. There's that little crazy, you know, group out there that may have, you know, maybe sent the bombs and stuff, uh, you know, this afternoon. But at the end of the day... Listen, I, I have a lot of union supporters um, because, again, I'm a private sector pro-business guy. 
Um, and, and I have a lot of respect. And listen, I grew up on a farm, and uh, I can spin wrenches also. Um, you know, I, you know, again, I'm, you know, I've done a lot of things, you know, that are trades related over the years. So I have a lot of respect for what the what the trades uh, uh, union workers do, uh, law enforcement. Um, and then you talk about the pro life movement. You know, again, it's it's, uh, you know, it, it's a it's a big it's a big uh, movement out there, and it's important to people. You know, I'm, I have the 100% pro life voting record, and you know, it's not something. When I originally went to Harrisburg, I was really fed up with government. And um, so, you know, being in the Senate and having the opportunity over a little over four years to meet just hundreds and hundreds of people and talk about issues, it's been it's been a learning experience for me, quite frankly. And I've, and I've met just some you know fabulous people. All right. Now, Scott Wagner, Republican candidate for governor of Commonwealth Pennsylvania, is here. We're going to keep him here as long as we can. And he has said that he's willing to take your phone call. So if you have a question, you may call or text 8830098, And we're going to take a break for traffic and weather. But first, I want to tell you the calls that are coming in are about emission inspections, natural gas tax, about, you know, this controversy over taxing pensions. So all that's coming up when we come back on WILK. 14 minutes now before five o'clock. Republican candidate for governor, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Scott Wagner is with us and we have, every line is busy. So if you have a question, you might want to try and text it or just be patient. And we'll begin with Mike in Wyoming County. Mike, what's your question for Mr. Wagner? Yes, Mr. Wagner, I am a, a seasonal worker, non-union tradesman, and which means we do use unemployment compensation. And unemployment compensation checks have been cut, the percentage, at a drastic rate. It's, we're homeowners, we pay taxes, school, property, the whole nine yards. Are you looking to close down seasonal businesses? Because it's getting to the point where we can't afford to work for a seasonal uh, occupation anymore. And I've been doing this 32 years, so I have a great track record on what unemployment has done through this Okay, time. Mike, hang on. We'll let, we'll let Scott in. I'm going to ask you to listen to it off air so we can clear up some lines. Go ahead, Senator. Well, Mike, I, I don't know what your occupation is, but there was a, we had an issue with uh, seasonal worker unemployment several years ago. And uh, that was something that was supposed to have been cleaned up. Uh, you know, I don't really think it was. Uh, but, you know, f for me to have an opportunity to clean that up and make sure that, that the seasonal, you know, the seasonal unemployment system is working, I've, I've got to be the governor. So to be able to do that, because there's, there's, there's so much stuff that has to be cleaned up. But I'm familiar with, you know, I think the big issue was really a lot of heavy highway, um, you know, construction workers. You know, they were... For example, you know, you can't put down blacktop on PennDOT paving projects after October 16th. And it turns out that a lot of those those heavy highway con uh, construction workers make probably about 40% of their income in the last or the, the third quarter of the year. So it really skews things. But I, I would like to learn more about, uh, you know, what your situation is. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, you know, I've got to be governor to clean up a lot of these messes. All right, let's go to John and Mountaintop. John, what's your question for Scott? Uh, yeah, my question is, how long are these politicians going to think that we're morons? We've been paying this uh, fee for the emissions testing only in certain areas. And we, the money evidently goes to these service people. It's got nothing to do with the environment, whether our gas cap leaks or not. I mean, you could buy a new gas cap every year and you'd save money over the cost of the inspection all right let's get a comment from scott and you can listen to it off air go ahead scott john i think you know 
what I've seen in Harrisburg, there are just fees here and fees there and fees here. And they started, you know, 20 years ago for something. And, you know, that issue was resolved. But meanwhile, the fees continue. And we're going to do a deep dive on everything in Harrisburg on what we charge, all the fees, all the taxes. Uh, we're going to go to zero-based budgeting. We're going to balance our checkbook. There's a lot of house cleaning that we have to do. And, you know, I, I'm, uh, again, I'm a business owner, and uh, I have fees that I continue to pay for things that I thought should have, you know, been resolved years and years ago. And I know they were, but the fees continue. See, that's the beauty about government. Something gets put in place and nobody nobody takes care of it after, you know, that, that situation is resolved. Now, the caravan, obviously, it's, you know, something that dominates the news. I'm just wondering what you think about that. And also, you're governor of Pennsylvania, and you get a call asking to send Pennsylvania National Guard troops to the border. What do you do? Well, number one, the the, the, the caravan is, is I, th- I think, is really interesting. I'm watching this now. Again, I'm, I'm on the road so much, so I'm watching, like, late-night news, and I'm watching news between, say, 4.30 and 5 in the morning. But I'm, I'm just shocked at, you know, how this is all. I mean, I look at the people, and I see... I see well-dressed people. I see, you know, with good, good athletic clothing on. And I'm just really troubled about, you know, how this is all, you know, evolving. Is somebody putting them up to that or what's happening? But the reality is that we cannot, as a country, just have an open border and people can just, you know, walk across the border and then just, you know, get lost in our cities. We need to know who is here. And, and that brings us back to, you know, the big issue of sanctuary cities here in Pennsylvania. Uh, Governor Wolf is a, a, a promoter of sanctuary cities. And uh, at the end of the day, the, you know, we need to know who is coming into this country. They need to come through the, the, the legal immigration system. Uh, and, you know, we've got to, we've got to get this resolved. That's a big deal. I mean, that's back to President uh, Trump ran on building the wall. And I, I think we need a wall. And uh, listen, we, we lock our doors at night and some people have fences and, you know, um, you know driveways with gates for reasons. Well, we but just got a bunch of, of texts saying hooray for saying yeah. that. Yeah. All right. And I, and I also think that, number one, I would, this is real, real serious what's happening right now. And we cannot have these invasion of people crossing the border. And I think we have to be as, as humane as possible. And we have to figure out what the heck is going on. But I'll tell you, I would be, if, if I were asked by the president to deploy the Pennsylvania National Guard to the border, I would do that. All right. Let's go to Jesse in Wyoming. Jesse, what's your question? Okay, I'd like to uh, first of all say thank you to Scott Wagner for taking my call, and it's a pleasure to talk to him. And uh, honestly, you're the guy I want to vote for, but I just uh, one of your commercials talked about uh, the pensions um, hurting like state pension people, and I was a county worker for 31 years, and I have a county pension here in Luzerne County, and of course, it's very very important to me. So I want to know, and it's it's not. I've heard of some of the state ones; they're very exorbitant. Mine's nothing like that. But if I vote for you, is my pension going to be safe? Jesse, here's the answer. There's a couple things. In in you you have not seen ads from me. They would be Governor Wolf's ads. Number one, the pension that you have earned, you will keep. And and constitution. I have no agenda to take pensions away. Uh, number one, we're in a little bit of a pension crisis right now because of the vote that went down in 2001. I wasn't there. I only served in the Senate for four years. Uh, I'm the cleanup guy, and I am. You know, I am probably. I would have to say to you that if 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 there's a concern about your pension being in jeopardy, I'm the best guy that you can elect to make sure that your pension gets paid to you because I'm going to hold money managers uh, accountable. 
Uh, we're going to stop paying these ridiculous management fees that we pay. And also, there's another thing out there I want to clarify while I'm on the air. Governor Wolf is running ads saying that I'm going to tax retirement income, and that's that's an outright lie. And what Governor Wolf has done, he's, he took a uh, he took a, a four or five minute clip from a meeting I had over in Berks County about two and a half years ago, and I was talking about the 100,000 Club that had just been published by Penn Live or the Patriot newspaper in Harrisburg. And the 100,000 Club is anybody in the state of Pennsylvania who receives a pension payment, annual payment of over $100,000 a year. And the top two people in 2015 to receive pensions, and this this may, Jesse, may make you fall off uh, your chair, but the top two people were former Penn State administrators and the top guy that received pension payments in 2015, his annual payment was 477000 And the next guy's four fifty-five. And, uh, you know, I made a comment. I said, listen, we don't tax retirement income in the state of Pennsylvania. That's really a shame. It angers me that we don't because these guys are getting all scot-free. So, you know, that was a comment that was taken out of context, but I absolutely will not uh, and do not and, and have an agenda to tax retirement income. As a matter of fact, what I am going to do is I'm going to eliminate the school taxes on your home. All right. That brings up a question from Paul in Pittston. Paul, what's your question for Scott Wagner? Yeah, Senator, thanks for taking the call. Uh, it's obvious that the legislative fix for the uh, school tax has been like pulling hen's teeth. My question is the constitutionality of the basic law. Uh, has it ever been challenged in the state of Pennsylvania? And if not, why not? All right. Listen off air. We got about a minute before we got to take a break, and we'll let you talk about this as often as you want. But start the conversation, Scott. Well, really, uh, the constitutionality about the taxes. Number one, I, you know, I'm, I'm my my uh, my mission right now is to eliminate school taxes on everyone's home here in Pennsylvania. We have seniors that are you know borrowing money, uh, losing their homes. Uh, to, you know, school taxes, and they continue to go up. And the school tax, honestly, their school taxes are going up at a rate uh, faster than their than their income, uh, retirement income is going up. So it's something we have to deal with. But at the end of the day, um, I'm a problem solver, and I'm going to solve this problem, and I'm going to eliminate the school taxes on everyone's home. I know we've been hearing about this for years and years. But listen, I'm, I'm not a career politician. Uh, I'm not trying to be politically correct. But I've heard the people of Pennsylvania loud and clear. They want something done. So we're going to figure it out, and we're going to get it done. And I expect to get this done in 2019. Uh, this is a, um, a high priority. This is one of the top three priority items on my list to accomplish in 2019. All right. Scott Wagner is with us till at least 530. We're going to press him at least till 530 to answer a full bank of phone calls and texts that are coming in. If you want a chance to ask your question, 8830098-1800-437-0098, and we will be back. 11 minutes after 5, Republican candidate for governor Scott Wagner is here with us in the studio taking phone calls, answering your questions by text at 8830098-1800-437-0098. Scott, we talked about property tax elimination before the break, and I have a bunch of questions here. How are you going to do it and what do you replace it with? Well, first thing we're going to do, number one, there's going to be a significant amount of revenue that we're going to have to have to find to make up for this. But the first thing we're going to do 
If we're going to do something we do in the private sector, we're going to go to zero-based budgeting. Now, people ask what zero-based budgeting is. And listen, most people are doing that in their kitchens, at their kitchen table. They're sitting down looking at their income, and they're looking at their expenses. And we need to do that in Harrisburg, and we need to get away from this current, like, budget process that this agency uh, uh, is receiving $500 million, uh, this year, and next year they want 520 and then it's 540 it, it's The madness is, has to stop. And we're going to balance our checkbook, something we haven't done. We don't know how much money is in our checkbook or not in our checkbook. Um, and uh, we're going to sell the liquor stores. The liquor stores lose $300 million a year, 600 liquor stores. And it's been so over 10, a 10 year period at 300 million a year, we'll lose $3 billion. So we're going to get rid of the liquor stores, keep or, or operate the wholesale side of the business. And we're going to get spending under control. Then we're going to go on and we're going to look at Senate Bill uh, 76. And Senate Bill 76 was a bill that was introduced by Senator Argyle from down Schuylkill County. And that would tick up the sales tax from 6 to 7% personal income tax, kick that up a little bit. And, um, you know, that's, that, would be the, that would be the next step. But I think the other thing we have to look at is also what we tax in the state and what we don't tax in the state. There are things that we don't tax here that are taxed in other states. So, you know, I'm hesitant to, and I don't want people to get alarmed when I say this, but, you know, I'd rather look at things that aren't taxed, for example, uh, versus raising, just raising the sales tax from 6 to 7%, which makes us uncompetitive in some areas. And then we're also going to have to look at revenue ideas outside. And, and there, I have a lot of revenue ideas on how we can, you know, bring in additional revenue. But we also have a great opportunity. We have 200 to 400,000 skilled labor positions open in Pennsylvania. Now, let's just for just for math, uh, for math rounding and simplicity, if we filled 200,000 positions at 50,000 a year, that's 10 billion in additional payroll. And taxes are, that are going to be paid to the state are going to be around 300 million. Plus, people are going to spend money. There's going to be sales tax paid. And probably out of that, we'll get, if we were to employ 200,000 more people at 10 billion, we're going to end up getting probably somewhere between 700 million and a billion dollars more. So we're going to be looking at, at, at getting our spending under control. We're going to look at revenue ideas, but there's going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to look at everything. There is nothing that is not going to be on the table. And uh, I also believe that if any agency or any entity out there that receives any money from the state, I believe they need to participate in zero-based budgeting and they need to balance their checkbooks too. All right. Uh, the, the questions are coming in uh, about uh, the, the attitude of the voters. Now, you and I were just talking about that. The, the Kavanaugh hearings, the craziness surrounding that, the caravan, everything. I get the impression from my listeners that it has changed the attitude of the voters. It's, it's not so much D and R. There's, there's more of a concern about what the future is. What, what are you feeling out there? I mean, you've talked to gazillions of people based on your website. You have pictures with every group in the world. Well, number one, I think that, um, you know, we, we, we have a, something that's changing a lot. You know, half the people in the world, the age group are, you know, the age group of half the people in the world is 30 or under. And I think, you know, there are a lot of older people. I'm 63. There are a lot of, I've, I've, I've met countless number of veterans. You know, there's, there are still some World War II veterans around, Korean War veterans, vet, Vietnam veterans, of course, then, the, you know, the Gulf War, you know, Iran and Iraq, you know, or, or, or Iraq and Afghanistan. Those veterans, we have a great country. 
And we and we've seen a tremendous amount of terrorism go on. You know, nine eleven, the whole nine yards. And I think we are seeing our country, um, or we had seen it going in the wrong direction. And I think that's why Donald Trump's in the White House, because really, what we received from from politicians over the years was just lip service. People afraid to do things and didn't have the courage to do things. But you know. I could tell you that I could have told you that Donald Trump was going to win back in the in the summer of 2016 because I was traveling around the state with several Senate races that I was working on. And at one point I couldn't receive I, I wasn't able to receive signs uh, from the Trump campaign. So I wasn't able to get them. So I went out and purchased 15,000 signs on my own. Nice, the nice car plastic cardboard signs. And they were gone within like 12 days, 15,000 signs. It was amazing. And I'd have people I'd leave a meeting somewhere and somebody would walk over and you know, a lady'd say, you know, she'd look, whisper in my ear, "Don't, don't tell anybody, but I'm going to vote for Donald Trump." Don't tell my husband. Well, I said, "Well, you're a closet Trumper," but I think there is a huge movement. The, the amount of patriotism and people are concerned about, you know, a lot of things. We have a lot of freedoms here in this country, and and I think that, you know, if we don't be careful, we could be headed down the socialism path, and that's not good. And there's no such thing as everything's free. Um, people have to work. And have to be, uh, you know, a a, a a a a participant in today's society. But we can't just keep giving things away. And uh, you know, something that I think is very troubling to me. Again, I'm 63 years old. I didn't serve in the military, but I have met so many great veterans over, you know, the last five years basically. And I've always been involved in veterans activities in my community with my company. But um, it was on the NBC Evening News on January, excuse me, July 4th, this past July 4th, at 6.30, Lester Holt came on, and he was talking about that Gallup had just uh, completed a poll. And they went around the, the country, and they asked people this very simple question, are you proud to be an American? And the results were 47% of the people out there asked said they were, uh, they were proud to be an American, and that meant that 53% weren't proud. And then they went to, um, they went to the, the campus of NYU, and guess what? Not a single college student was proud to be an American. So I think that's got, sad. It's very sad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all you have to do is go to Arlington National Cemetery, and if that doesn't take your breath away about what 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 people have sacrificed and and who has sacrificed for this country, it's amazing. All right, let's go to the phone calls. Mary in Wilkesbury, you have a follow up question about the liquor stores. Go ahead. I uh, guess I I want to know what is going to happen to all those jobs that those people have, including my son, who just recently, a few years back, got a job with the Liquor Control Board. What happens to all those people that are employed by these? All right, I'm going to ask you to listen to it. Listen to the answer off air because we have so many calls. Go ahead, Scott. Well, Mary, the answer to that is I'm sensitive to people. You know, number one, somebody is going to continue to sell the liquor and the wine that are sold in those stores, okay? So there may be an opportunity for your son to go work for a, a private enterprise or some of those people that are working in those stores go to work for private enterprise. But remember, I said there are 50,000, excuse me, I, uh, let me back up. There are 200 to 400,000 skilled labor positions. How about if we take some of those employees in the liquor stores and we help them get other jobs or we train them? You know, they might be, let's say they might be making $40,000 a year working in the liquor store. What if we were to help them go to you know a trade school to maybe be a, a mechanic or a welder or a carpenter, and then they could turn around and make $60,000. So I think that 
you know, number one, these people um, that that would that potentially would be displaced, and I don't think a lot are going to get displaced. I think this is a myth that's really told by the union. But listen, they're going to get they're going to get pulled into the two hundred to four hundred thousand positions that are open, and you're you'll just you'll really never kn- you'll never know that all this occurred. You have to look at everything in a positive, and I I think that the. You know, the liquor store workers union has done a great job in, in telling everybody, well, these people aren't going to find jobs. Well, what about the 200,000 jobs that are open right now? And we'll, we'll fill those fast. All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. we got about 10 more minutes of conversation with Scott Wagner. We have lots of phone calls, lots of issues. I'm going to try and sum up some that are coming up over and over and over and over again. And we'll get to those when we come back on the Frank Andrew Show on WILK. Scott Wagner, candidate for governor, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is here. Scott, I want to ask you this question. I've been doing this long enough that uh, I've interviewed, you know, everything from presidents on down. Is there something that you would like to say to the audience that the typical reporter, radio host doesn't ask you? Something that you just wish you could just tell them while you have that microphone in front of you? Something near and dear to your heart? Something that you think the voters, the listeners would want to hear? Well, the most important thing I can tell the listeners out there is that you know, I went to Harrisburg five years ago because I was fed up. And I think you've heard some of this. And uh, people ask me why I'm running. And sometimes uh, my wife and I have a discussion. And, uh, you know, the question comes up, do you really think you can make a difference? And the answer is, I do believe I can make a difference. And, uh, you know, I'm not a career politician, don't want to be. Uh, if I run for governor uh, and uh, I'm elected on, um, on the 6th by the voters, uh, I expect to probably spend two terms in the governor's office. Now, you know, if I don't get anything done uh, the first term, you know, they'll kick me out of office and I'm okay with that. But I expect to spend uh, two four-year terms. Uh, I'm 63 years old. Uh, that'll be eight years. I'll be 71. I will not look back after eight years and look back and 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 said, you know, or say to myself, listen, I haven't accomplished anything or have people say you haven't done a thing. It's not going to happen. Um you know, the fact that I don't need the job, don't need the money, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative, uh, egotistical way. Bottom line is that, that when I walk into that Capitol, I'm free and clear of every, everything. No one owns me. You can't buy me. And uh, things are going to get done. And uh, I'm also looking forward to working with a lot of uh, House and Senate members that are there that I've had built relationships with over the last four years. I will probably walk in that door of that Capitol is the first governor ever that will have the relationships, understand the issues, have come from the private sector, put everything in a blender about my experiences and, and, and what's in the arrows in my quiver. We're going to get things done. In, in your mind, is there one element of a Pennsylvania society or people that is forgotten or neglected? Somebody that really needs attention that's not getting it? Well, you know what troubles me, and, and I see this, there's a lot of rich history in Pennsylvania. You can go to uh, different towns throughout Pennsylvania, and, you know, probably 50 to 70 or 80 years ago, you know, in the 1920s, the state of the 1950s, they were booming towns, whether it was coal, whether it was steel. Um, you know, I've seen some just incredible buildings in some of these towns that were probably magnificent buildings at one time, and today they're boarded up. And there's weeds growing off the roof. And uh, I think there are a lot of forgotten areas. I mean, you can, you know, listen, Scranton's changed a lot. Wilkes-Barre's changed a lot. You go to Manesson, Denora. um, You go to Shimokin, Pennsylvania. I mean, it's everywhere. And then then you go into towns like Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. If you've never been to Jim Thorpe, it's an amazing little town. And there's a renaissance going on. 
And um, you know, I had the opportunity recently to meet uh, the mayor of Kane, Pennsylvania. And I was on the website recently, and I was just doing some research. And you know, again, uh, more energy uh, coming into these towns. And I think that um, you know, there are a lot of areas that are forgotten, and and we we have to you have to have a governor and a leader who 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 you know brings everybody to the table and and remember the history. And, and listen, history doesn't pay the bills. But we, um, we, we have to become a more attractive state to keep our children here, uh, be a more attractive state to attract people here. I mean, it's a beautiful state, uh, and we have a lot going for us. But, um, you know, there's that, that, that troubles me that, that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, coal was great, steel was great. In all these areas, it was, it was great. There was a boom time, and then all of a sudden, it's, you know, everybody's moved on to something. There's another shiny object in the water, so all the fish went somewhere else. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we have about a minute left, and I can't believe that of all the issues, this has come up so frequently. Gene DePasquale, a fellow that I served with when I was in the House of Representatives, said we leave $581 million on the table by not legalizing marijuana. What, what do you think? <laughs> well, I'm not in favor of legalizing marijuana. Um, you know, we, we, I, was a, I, I was a yes vote on the medical, medical cannabis. Um, you know, it's better to it, call it what it is. It's medical cannabis. Um, but again... I, I have about 250 truck drivers, and I also believe, as I get older, that that marijuana is a is to a certain degree a gateway drug. I mean, if you have somebody that smokes pot, you know, periodically or regularly, and nothing happens, and then the next thing is that they, you know, maybe we ought to try cocaine or something else, and well, that wasn't so bad, and then 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 the next is maybe heroin or something like that. I just think that. Um, you know, we cannot legalize marijuana for the sake of tax revenue. Mm. I mean, come on. It's, I mean, we have a lot of, we, we've done that to a certain degree with gambling. And, um, you know, I know we've controlled that, but, you know, listen, there are people with severe gambling addictions. I mean, you hear stories, embezzlements take place routinely all over. And I read about them in the paper and it's because somebody had a gambling addiction or a drug addiction. But no, I'm not in favor. And I think the the, the fact that we're going down that road because it's purely revenue. How about how about let's get those two hundred thousand people to work and and at three hundred or five hundred thousand revenue that might come from marijuana, we can find that easily by getting those people to work. You have never refused to take my call. You've never you've never not returned my call. Every time you're in the area you call me and you just popped in here today. Thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate you being here. Good luck to you, sir. Thank you, Frank. My pleasure. All right, five thirty we'll take a break. We'll be back. WYLK. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. 